I'm delighted, I've been la-di-da-din Not a lot of thoughts when I ponder from the top Man, these boys, they be potting I trust them like a lot And they told me that I get it Guess what, I got it You should do it too You will never lose If you ever do Must have been a ruse Ricky, that's my dude Stoops are super cool Sharks up in the pool I've been sparking up my tools I've been looking to win Spend a little again I've been first fiddled it in My God, I riddled again I told them stop clowning around They said what goes up comes down I said I'm down with the sickness My team stay ill now Come get this I'm just so dead in life I stay ready tonight Deep dive, we rise That's the medley, alright Devi Delight Devi Delight Da-da-da, da-da-da Da-da, Devi Delight Hey! Welcome to another edition of the Debbie Delight brought to you by ExpandTheBoxScore.com. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, we're going to talk about some late-round sleepers that you'll be able to draft in your uh, upcoming rookie drafts. Uh, we tackled a lot of the guys in the round one through three that we liked last week. But this week, we're going to tackle some of the guys that we were drafted in the later part of the draft that we think that you could utilize in maybe this season and even in further seasons. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime here, Stoops. How are you today, bud? I'm doing great. I'm tweeting out the the link. So, um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, unfortunately, I went back to work yesterday. Well, fortunately, but unfortunately, right? It, it's yeah. I had that conversation with a couple of the guys who, or a couple of people who got you know furloughed. Um, they asked how it was when we were still there. Yada yada yada. But went back to work yesterday. It was busy, like I expected, but. Um, Excited to dive deep into this today. You know, we we had a guy on uh, Twitter come to us and you know kind of give us the idea, and and we we ran with it. So we figured it's still draft season, so um, something we can definitely dive into, and then we'll get back into the the Debbie aspect of everything. But excited to to touch base on this one more time. Give out some some names we like in those later rounds, um, and just yeah, see what we can do to help you out in your your rookie drafts. Yeah, for me, it's this is like. Uh what would you call it? Maybe a, a farewell, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we've been talking about some of these guys since August. Um, we're ready to kind of pack up this draft and move on. But we understand at the same time, like we said, we're trying to do what some of the viewers out there, which we appreciate a whole lot. Um, this has been a crazy busy week for us as far as the podcast is going we went live a lot we went to a couple different places we're trying some new stuff out and we can't thank you guys enough for for listening to us and and consistently putting us in your ears whether it's via podcast or you're watching us live it's a pretty amazing thing for you guys to do week in and week out soups i agree i agree and yeah we've we're trying to go in different aspects of things doing the mock drafts you know we started we We'd never done the video thing before, and then we went on to, or I went on to Trade Addicts podcast. They had this. We went on to Open Bar. They had this, and it was kind of like you know maybe that maybe that's a it's a good idea. And even even if we never went live with it, we could at least see each other and you know communicate in a different way. So um, it's been fun though. We got a lot of stuff going on. I know you've got some stuff up your sleeve you're working on that I'm going to help out with on my end, and I'm going to kind of go the same route with a, a different area. So. Yeah, I'm pretty excited spoiler, about it. But not a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. Can't really can't really dive really too deep yeah. into it. But at the same time, 
There's some stuff coming. Yeah, there's some different stuff coming. This is exciting. I feel like now that we have this video aspect of it, but at the same time, we do appreciate the people listening via podcasting as well. But there's a lot of different aspects that we can enhance our uh, show in the near future that better plan ourselves for the 2021 draft. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, you know, it's, it's exciting. We don't know what's in store for us, but hopefully even if we get football fanless stands, we don't really care. We just want some football. That's all we really care about. I saw this one uh, real quick. I saw this one thing again. I should, I should start reading the articles, right? <laughs> I saw, I saw the article and it basically said that the sec commissioner, um, I think it was the commissioner, someone in the monks, sec said that they're playing football no matter what. Again, I, titles titles of articles can be very misleading. You yeah. know what I mean? But I just found oh. that interesting that that's even remotely like a, a thing. So I don't know if that means – to me that would mean, okay, we're going to play no matter what. No fans kind of thing. Like we're just going to play. Again, when I see these articles that intrigue me, I really should read them so I can share the full <laughs> information. But it was kind of in passing. I was getting ready for a draft, and I was like, oh, I'll come back later. And, of course, it's always gone. So, I don't know. I just found that interesting. Found that. Yeah, interesting. I, I agree 100%. I'm, I'm excited to see if they're, you know – if they're really going to, you know, check that, you know, really check the boxes and whether they're, whether, like I said, whether it's full of fans or whether it's mm-hmm. with nobody in the stands, I really just want football. I mean, obviously we're both concerned with more of the safety aspect of everything first, yeah. but then we'll go from there. Uh, I want to send us a little special shout out real quick to our, our good friend, Andrew Harbaugh real quick. Um, head on over to his Twitter account right now um, at M Andrew NFL draft. And download his new upcut, his new uh, 2020 NFL fantasy guide. It's really, really, really cool. 46 player reports and overall big board, positional rankings, monthly updates. If you download the guide, he's not even asking for any uh, monetary uh, uh, value for it. Right he's just asking you to donate to some amazing charities that he has lined up in this book. Um, Andrew does amazing work in pretty much everything that he does. I mean, not, this guy is. He pumps out the material. I don't even know how he does it half the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, please check it out. Download it. You know, if you have, if you're capable enough to donate a little something, something to the charities that he had selected, please do so. But most importantly, support the guy. And uh, I took a little peek of it. I haven't read through the entire thing yet, but it looks pretty in-depth and pretty look pretty detailed. I, I like the way it looks. What about you? Yeah, I did the same. I, I took a little little peek into it a couple pages in. Um got to the the player um essentially player profile portion where he really broke down the the um the players and he went in depth with it it was his thoughts uh measurables it was i mean you name it like it it was a pretty in-depth aspect of it and he did that for a lot of the players so he put a lot of work into it so like he said a lot of good charities on there that he he's he's got with he said he even partnered with andy um you know a lot of the the fire departments um up there they, they've got some charities going to to help you know different people around so um great cause behind it but yeah absolutely if you're if you're able right you know what i mean if you're able to to donate something anything helps um so yeah definitely go check him out it, it's gonna it's a it's a it's a good thing that he put a lot of work into and it's going to a good cause as well i agree 100 percent. I, I was excited about it and i told him prior whenever he was going to do it we we're going to do a little something something but then he decided to just release it for free so that was even cooler yeah. um but all right folks so 
as we talked about, we had a listener talk to us and ask us to talk about some sleepers in the upcoming draft. Stoops and I try to get the guys that are not able to be drafted in that round one of your draft. You have your prototypical guys, one through 12 there. And even your maybe second round mm-hmm. is kind of, unless you're in the back half of the second round, maybe you could take one of these guys and knowing that in that third round, you're not going to get them. But this is a third, fourth round type sleepers. Some of the guys we're going to talk about, you know, we have done a little bit of research. Stoops and I have really talked about understanding and learning the entire um, contract status of guys that, that they're going to be competing against and stuff like that. So, Stoops, go ahead and kick us off with your sleeper quarterback that you want to talk about. Yeah, so my sleeper quarterback is a guy that I've probably talked about more in the past couple of weeks than I did all through the Debbie season. Um, but it's it's Jacob Eason. I still am a believer, and I love the landing spot, right? We, we talked about that before. Um, he's obviously not a year one guy, right? They brought in Phillip Rivers. He's the guy this year. Um, but he's only on a one-year deal, so he's essentially done after the season now. Will he perform amazingly? And then they say, hey, let's bring you back for another year? Maybe. That is completely possible, right? But then you even look at it like with Jacoby Brissett. He's essentially on the last year of his deal. Um, from what I looked at it. And and so really the, the door's open, right? The problem's going to be Jacob Eason's not going to be on the field to essentially show if he's capable of, um, of being the guy or not. So it's going to be one of those where I, I still think it's, it's going to be a long-term play. He's going to be the guy to, um, they're going to go with him eventually, I think, but he's going to have to win that job in camp most likely with whoever they, they bring in. But when you look at it college-wise, I mean, 64.4 completion percentage um, for this most recent season. Um, that was 26th in the the entire NCAA. So not, not you know, you, you love to see a guy, you know, I looked at it, right? Joe Burrow, um, I believe, was number one, and he had the most or second most pass attempts or something. Um, it was insane. Um, but Jacob Eason had a, had a pretty solid completion percentage for his 404 pass attempts, over 3,100 yards, 23 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So he, amongst all of those numbers, he ranked anywhere in the top 25 to top 30. So he was consistent with it, right? He wasn't definitely a lower tiered guy. He wasn't someone who excelled in one area, but was terrible in another. He was kind of middle of the road with it, I guess, which, which isn't a terrible thing. But when you look at it, right, you look at his college targets, who he had to throw to. Realistically, he had Aaron Fowler and Hunter Bryant. No disrespect to the other guys on the field. They are D1 athletes. They are out there. They are much better than I am, right? But at the same time, when you look at it, transitioning to the NFL, I mean, T.Y. Hilton, who could or could not be gone um, very soon. Obviously, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, Jack Doyle, Trey Burton, Marlon Mack out of the backfield, Jonathan Taylor. They even got Darius Fountain. Those names right there trump the the names that he played with in college, right? And that's just how it goes. It's the NFL now. That's just how it works. But at the same time, give him these targets. Give him an NFL scheme. And and we've said it before. This is all he's doing. He's a football player. He's got nothing else going on. You know, he may have his side gigs, whatever. He may still – I'm not – honestly, I'm not sure if he's already graduated. I'm not, I think he has. But nonetheless, he, he may still have some school stuff that he's doing online. But anyway, football's his thing. So to have the time to do that, even in the times that we're in – it's. I, I think he's going to transition well. I, I think the fact that he's able to sit behind a vet, technically two vet quarterbacks, if you really want to go that aspect, but one that's been in the league for much, much longer. Um, and and Philip Rivers, honestly, I think he's one that's been undervalued his entire career. Yep. I think he's been, he's always been. People go that late round quarterback, you know, um, 
He's always that guy. Yeah. He's always the guy every year. Philip Rivers is the guy that a lot of people go with, but they never praise him for what he does. You know, yes, look at his numbers last year. He threw 23 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. But but the, the crazy thing is, and I'll say this, people people have downed Rivers, right, for it, but like they're all over Winston. All over Winston. And maybe it's because Winston's young. He's still got some time. Rivers is kind of at the end. I, I don't know. But it's like nobody's knocking Rivers for that necessarily. So I think Jacob Beeson having the opportunity to sit behind a vet quarterback like that, I think is going to do him wonders. I think it's going to really, really help him. And we've even said that about many other guys. Being able to sit behind veteran quarterbacks, learn the systems, learn the game, right? You you know, you've been playing football basically your whole life, you know, unless you're one of those few that say, oh, it's my junior year of high school. I'm going to go try it. And now you're in the NFL. Do an AGG. Yeah. You know, that's more so, I think, at a skill position or, you know, a defensive, um, you know, lineman, linebacker, but you still got to be a talent to do it. But anyway, playing football your whole entire life, you know the game, you understand the the concept of it, and you've learned as you've gone, right? You learned a couple things in high school, learned more in college. The NFL is a whole different ballgame. So to be able to learn from a quarterback who's been around for, I don't know, 15, 18 years. I think it's 17 years. I'm not even sure really how, many, how long he's been, but it's been a long time. He's yeah. he's definitely seen seen different types of offenses. He's seen transitions in the game, you know, where it's it's run, 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 to where it's a pass, 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 to where it's it's just it changes and changes and evolves. So to be able to share his not Rivers' knowledge with Easton, I think is going to be huge. Um, he was drafted in the fourth round. Um, Easton was so that kind of shows me that there is some form of uh, belief in him. Um, yes, it's not a top two, top three rounds even, but it was the, it was mid, mid, he was 16th overall in the uh, fourth round. So let's call it a a, a mid fourth round pick there. And I think that that'll help him as well. As long as he can go into camp, stay clean, show he's got the, the, the arm for it. He's got the mind for it. So, um, the biggest thing I think is going to be the work ethic. Definitely. You want to, you want to stay film study, study the playbook. Whenever they ask you the questions, answer it confidently, you know, and this is not stuff that he needs to know, right? Obviously, but I think it speaks volumes. It's it's the stuff we don't see. We we just see what's going to be done in practice and games. But Jacob Eason's the guy that I, I think you should definitely be keeping an eye on. In my trade addicts league, we're actually almost finished. We're in the fourth round still, but Jacob Eason went at 307. Jacob Eason went 307 in my uh in the rookie draft for the trade addicts three league. So he, and that's about what I would have expected about a third, third round um, pick that you could get decent for. And I think that right there, if you've got the roster spots, whether it be taxi squads or even just your active roster, if you've got the spots to, to stash them for a little while, if you can get them in the third round, I think that would be, that would be a, I don't want to call it a steal because that's where I expected them to go anyway. But at the same right. time, he's still that late round guy. Because we've said it, most rookie drafts are going to be three to five. Or I'm sorry, four to five rounds. Ours happens to be five. But if you can get them in the third, the late third round, like I'd get them every time if I could at that price. Yeah, it's a heck of a price for him. And you know, I'm going to transition and talk about a guy that we talked about a lot <laughs> on this podcast, and that's Jake Fromm. Um, he was drafted in the fifth round, 22nd overall. We saw a free for all from him. That was quite interesting to watch happen. Mm -hmm. So many other quarterbacks were taken ahead of him. I don't have the number in front of me, but I know it was like eight or nine or something like that that were taken ahead of him. There was a lot of quarterbacks being taken in front of Jake Fromm, and there were so many question marks of why, right? You know, he's 6'2", 220. He didn't have the best season, okay? Whenever he was coming into his senior year, you kind of want to see – 
him take that next step. You want him to see, you know, but the weird thing about it is, is what a lot of times you see, you see coaches step up to the plate and you watch them let, let their quarterback kind of sling the ball in a year of which they probably know they're going to leave. Right. They never really took any chances. Now they did throw the ball more last year than they ever had before, but he still only threw the ball like 385 times last year, which really in the grand scheme of things, it's really not a whole lot whenever you're talking about, you know, college football and how often in the SEC and stuff like that. And I'm just doing some quick math here, 385 divided by 14, you know, 27 times per game. That's all. I love about. how we both did the exact same thing at the same time. <laughs> it's awesome. But to me, that's not a lot. That's nah. just that, you know, in college football, that's definitely not a lot. I mean, you're throwing the ball a lot compared to um, just throwing Anthony Gordon's name out there. 680 sometimes he threw the ball last year. Even Burrow threw the ball over 600 times. So you had guys throw the ball over 200 more times. Yes, was he a little more inaccurate this year? Yeah, his completion percentage went down 7%, uh, 7% down to 60.8, which is something that is somewhat alarming, something that you don't like to see. Um, the thing about it is, is I think the talent's there. Right. For me, some of the things that stand out whenever you talk about Jake Fromm, his red zone stats are phenomenal. You know what I mean? He's got a 57% completion ratio, but we talked about that. I'd rather him throw it away than throw interceptions. But he had 17 touchdowns and zero picks in the red zone last year. That, to me, is a phenomenal stat in itself right there. I think the talent is there. Right. You know, they didn't invest that much draft capital in there, but they have Matt Barkley as the backup quarterback in Buffalo right now. No offense, guys. I don't know if you know the name, but Matt Barkley is not a very good quarterback. He's never going to be a starter in this league. Okay, um, I really feel like he 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 got hurt by a the play calling, which is very very questionable. Okay, but some of the stats that I pulled out that I liked that I just kind of nitpicked here and there versus top ranked teams last year: twelve hundred fourteen yards, ten touchdowns, only two picks. Um, and then the year before, in twenty eighteen, he had twelve hundred sixty nine yards, twelve touchdowns, and four picks. If you look at his stats and if you go by his game log last year, okay, he struggled against LSU um, in, in the title did. game. But exactly. That's my point exactly. Everybody did. And then, of course, he struggled in the South Carolina game. Um, that was a, a crazy wonky game. He threw the ball 51 times in that game. Mm -hmm. Between the two games versus LSU and the two games that they lost last year, the only two that they lost all of last year, he threw the ball 93 times, which is about – there was games, the Kentucky game, he threw the ball 12 times. Uh, Murray State, he threw the ball 11 times. You know, Vanderbilt, 23 times. There were some games that they got so far ahead early that he didn't have to pass the ball a whole lot. But my point here is this. Okay, so if he, the problem that we had with Jake Fromm is this. So against Missouri, 13 of 29, 173 yards, two touchdowns. They won the game, but 44% you know, percent completion ratio against Auburn, 46%. But he threw three touchdowns, zero interceptions, but managed to only get 110 yards passing. Um, against Georgia Tech, 48% pass completion percentage, but threw four touchdowns. Like his, his stats were very wonky last year. And I think the talent around him was solid. They didn't even use DeAndre Swift completely right either you know what i mean we talked about that that they didn't even use swift to his fullest capabilities at georgia and and swift still you know showcased what he could they still put up the numbers he put up that's the crazy right. thing last year in 12 other games outside the two games that i just mentioned uh jake Fromm threw exactly zero touch uh zero interceptions in those games all five of his interceptions from last year came within those two games outside of that he didn't throw another interception which yeah okay you could talk about yeah well he did throw the interception 
I'm not saying that Jake Fromm is going to be the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, but I'm not not saying that that's not possible. I'm not saying Josh Allen is exactly the be-all, end-all. I buy – Stoops and I talked about this a little bit. I buy Josh Allen a little bit more than I ever did before going into this season. He impressed me. He made a couple crazy weird plays in the playoff game. <laughs> that was just some bonehead things, but that's not always going to be a Josh Allen thing, I don't think. Um, he started all 16 games last year, the year before he, he started 11, but I do think that he plays with a volatile um, quarterback mind as well. Josh Allen does. He does like to – take the ball and tuck it and run. I mean, he was, I think, their leading rusher last year or close to it, um, and, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy's got some legs. The complete opposite of Fromm, which is another interesting thing, is because Fromm is not a guy that's going to go out there and make plays on his legs. But for me, I, we're, uh, uh, what, maybe a Josh or Josh Allen hit away from Jake Fromm seeing the football field. Jake Fromm is going undrafted in most um Leagues, or he's going in that fourth or fifth round. He went at 404. Okay, so he went in, 404. In, uh, 404 in the Trade Addicts League. Okay, so 404, at this particular point in the draft, you are just taking a flyer. Is Jake Fromm going to be the best quarterback in the NFL? No. Is he? Could he be out of the league in three years? Yes, as well. But the fact of the matter is, is you're taking a risk on a guy that could potentially, that does have upside to be a good NFL quarterback. And he does. We've talked about it. We've broken it down in depth. But if it's around four, what are you what are you what are you shooting at? You know what I'm saying? You're throwing darts at some guys that might not even see the field that you're just not going to get productive productivity and you can land a potential quarterback. Again, I don't love Jake from I don't love the landing spot, but at the same time, I do like that you can get him where you can get him in your rookie drafts and you're taking a risk, a very low risk, um, at, at acquiring a decent future asset. Yeah, I agree. I, I've been a Fromm fan, and and I think he's definitely someone that you can, you can get later in your rounds, and he could he could take a, take the job at some point. But I, I'm a little bit more on the Allen side than than what it feels like you are. But no, no, I I, I also I, just traded for him, so it changes my mind, and you know, just traded for Josh Allen. I did. Oh, okay, well there you go. You need a Josh Allen to be good. <laughs> All right, let's uh, transition over to our running back. Who do you got, Suits? So the running back I have is one that you have been a big, big fan of. Um, still are a big fan of, um, I believe. Eno Benjamin um, went to Arizona, got drafted in the seventh round, um, eighth overall in the seventh round, so 220 seconds overall pick. Um, you look at his college stats, man. He, he put up some numbers, right? Back in 2018, he had over 1,500 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns. He caught 33 passes on 41 targets for 247 yards and two touchdowns, kind of 84 first downs. Only had one fumble. Then you moved to 2019, had just over 1,000 yards. So definitely saw a, a re reduced role in, in that uh, rushing yard aspect of thing. 10 touchdowns on the ground. Um, but he caught more passes, 43 catches on 54 targets. So they got him more involved in the passing game, which is definitely an amazing thing to see. 361 receiving yards is still only two touchdowns, 72 first downs. This is the problem that I have, and we always talk about this, right? And I know that others have brought up about Taylor and his fumbling issues. Benjamin fumbled the ball six times this year. It's a lot. To, it's, it, I mean, that's five more than the previous year, right? 
again, did he lose those fumbles? We don't know. Doesn't really matter in, in our eyes. It's, it's a fumble is a fumble, but I think it's, it's, it's stuff that can get cleaned up. We, we've said that before, right? You know, we've seen a lot of college running backs come in, man, that's a fumbling problem, fumbling problem. And then they get to the pros and they fumble it once in five years. Right. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it, it could be cleaned up. The pros have, have their training aspects that they really, you know, instill um, into the running backs and make sure they hold on to that ball. So it's something you can get cleaned up. I'm not overly concerned with it, but it's still something to, to raise an eyebrow about. But I think he can fit into that Arizona offense amazingly. Yes, he's got Kenyon Drake there. He's got Chase Edmonds there. Um, there's even DJ Foster there. So there's other some running backs there that are definitely gonna, definitely gonna, um, you know, compete for touches above him. And I think obviously Drake and Edmonds are going to be the two that are going to be on the field probably ninety percent of the time combined. So it's going to open up a little bit of playing time for Benjamin. But overall, he's going to have to make make do with what he's got, right? And I, I think that's how a lot of guys get it done. And um, I don't know if this will happen, but maybe they throw him in on, you know, some special teams. He's able to showcase his abilities um, in that aspect as well. But um, the contract situation for Drake and Edmonds, Drake is basically on that one year, um, some, some form of a tender, you know, thing that he signed. Yeah. So um, he's technically a free agent after the season. Do they rework a contract? I think so. Um, Depending on what he wants, obviously, but um, Edmonds, um, he's basically going to be a free agent after the 2021 season. So he's still there for a little while, but he hasn't really broken out too, too much. He's done enough to keep his job and definitely keep a role in that offense. But I think Eno can come in and really start to make an impact. I think it's going to be a, a, again, just like Eason, right? It's going to be more of a long-term play. It's kind of where we're at, especially with these late round guys. You've got to just kind of look at the situations and see which ones you like a little bit more. And for me, Eno Benjamin's in an offense that I really, really like. Um, it's going to be high powered. It's going to be fast moving on the offensive side. Um, they've made an, and the crazy thing is they've, they've made some moves on the defensive side, which I think in turn helps the offense, right? It's going to get the ball back to the offense more. They're going to be able to get into a pretty good rhythm. And obviously when you add the best receiver, eh, that's going to be, that's all about your opinion. Top three receiver in the league. I know Michael Thomas is probably number one for a lot of guys. And nonetheless, Top two, top three receiver and DeAndre Hopkins into that offense. I mean, that's going to pull pull defenders away from the backfield. So you give them a little dump off, let let the running backs do their thing, or even give them a handoff. So I think Eno Benjamin can come in, make a make a good name for himself. Um, and here's the thing: even if he comes in and does what he can do, and you know, put up big numbers in Arizona for whatever reason, doesn't you know hold on to him after a couple years. As long as he goes to the right scheme, I think he can still make a name for himself. But I'm hoping that he makes a name for himself in Arizona, sticks there. Um, Drake is, I wish I would have wrote it down. Um, I think he's what, 26, 27 yeah, he's still range. Young. So he's still relatively young, but at the same time, he's kind of starting to get up to that age where a lot of NFL teams start to really look into, put it this way. I don't think if Drake gets a, a contract, I don't think it's going to be longer than potentially a two to three year deal. And it's going to be more uh, team friendly than anything. So I think that in turn could help, Eno um, cause he's so much younger, um, less touches such on and so on and so forth. But um, Eno Benjamin's a guy, and I actually just drafted him in the trade addicts. I keep going back to the trade addicts because it's a super flex league. It's what a lot of people play. Um, it is a tight end premium, so things go a little bit different there. Um, shout out Adam Troutman. Got him at 403. But um, Eno Benjamin, I got him at 406, right? So it's still one of those. So the guys that I've been talking about, and even from with you, it's it's been that third to fourth round range, which is essentially going to be in your rookie drafts, those late round guys you're going to take that chance on. So Eno may be just a, a roster filler his whole career and 
you know, journeyman and get the job done, keep getting your contracts and such, so on and so forth. But I think he's someone that can get it done. Not a huge guy, right? Not a huge guy, but the fact that he had 277 rush attempts in 2018 and 253 rush attempts in 2019 shows he can handle the ball, right? He can take the the amount of, of carries. Now, again, NFL linebackers, college linebackers. Size speed's a little bit different, you know, take it, taking that many hits. But it's it, he's a tough guy, man. We saw him down in Mobile. He's a tough guy. Um, like you said, life of the party, right? Um, but what we said in a good way, you know, I know that's that's used kind of sometimes in a <laughs> in a not so good way, but um no, he's just always having fun with it. So I think he's gonna come in, make a name for himself. Um, definitely gonna I, I think the locker room's gonna like him. Um I'm just excited to see what this Arizona offense does in general, but I'm excited to see how they get him involved as well. Yeah, I think that he might be able to return some kicks for them too. Yep. I think that he's got the speed. He's the, he doesn't have that super big size, but at the same time, he's he's big enough to, or you know, he's small enough to make some plays in a special teams in order to kind of secure that roster spot in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that I want to transition into is Lamichael P. Ryan um, from Florida. He got drafted by the New York Jets, fourth round, fourteenth overall in the round, one hundred twentieth overall. Do um, we all know? Um, Adam Gase and the and the Le'Veon Bell situation, right? Yep. Um, Gase does not like Bell, and and for some reason he didn't want that contract. Again, I, I don't know what Gase thinks. I, I don't know what goes to that dude's mind. I really don't. But the fact of the matter is this: uh, after this season, if they cut Bell, they get four four million of dead cap space. But at the same time, they save nine point five million. Um, we're not even a hundred percent sure. This is my biggest, and I'll, and I'll put the concern on the front half here. My biggest concern is if, if the jets have another bad year, Gase is gone. Does the new regime buy into P Ryan, even though he's only a fourth round pick. So I'll, I'll get that part out of the way. But the thing about it is, is Gase just drafted a, a three down back. Well, Michael P Ryan, I think is a phenomenal talent and I'll throw it off the top. He's, he went four Oh seven in our mock draft that we did on Monday. Okay, fourth round, seventh overall pick. That, to me, is insane value for a guy that I think is going to project to be the second uh, the second back in this, um, in this system, potentially even higher. I think that there could be some fluctuation. I think that he might be able to, as the season progressed, steal some carries away from Le'Veon Bell because of Gaze. Like there's a few questions I had in mind whenever you look at when I talked about play calling, whenever you talked about Georgia, you talk about the play calling on the side of Florida. There was week nine, week 10, week 11, week 12, where P. Ryan saw seven carries, four carries, four carries, four carries. Um, Very interesting to see that. The one thing that I do love about his season, though, he had 40 catches last year. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is a huge uptick. Um, He had 12 targets in the red zone, 12 targets in the red zone, 11 catches. He had nine total touchdowns in the red zone this year. He had nine touches on third and short and medium, converted seven of them into first downs. On first down carries, he averaged seven yards per carry. Another amazing stat out of Michael P. Ryan. Okay, he had 11 total touchdowns last year. 
I think that they're going to be able to utilize him early and often in this offense. I like him. Again, the, the draft capital is not very high, but they weren't going to go out and reach for a running back in rounds one through three. I just You didn't see it, especially since they have the money invested and they have needs elsewhere. So I like this draft pick a whole lot. I mean, P. Ryan does make plays, and he's not as flashy as some of these other guys. We talked about him a little bit more, a little bit in our pot on the podcast in the past. But the guy is catching balls, and he's going to be a three-down back. He's got he only has 493 carries in his career. He had 136, 134, 132. His yards per carry dipped this year, which was interesting to see. But like I said, it was interesting how they handed him the ball. He had so many games with he never had a a, a game with more than 17 carries last year. And the thing about it is, is that was only one game, and it was against LSU. He had 17 carries for 65 yards, even through a through a pass in that game. Just randomly tip it there yeah. for you. <laughs> um, but he had every single game that he played last year, minus two. He had multiple catches. Um, I, I like that stat as well. If you're playing a PPR league, which I think a lot of the world is these days, um, what's the standard are, league anyway? What's yeah, what? Well, yeah, exactly. I no, I would <laughs> never, play, I would never play in a standard lead ever again. I just wouldn't. I, I have no interest in it. Um, but for me, I think there's a lot to be said about Lamichael P. Ryan that he does good, and I like the value. Again, I talked about it at the top of that talking about him. He's got the ability to play three downs. He's a he's a pretty good pass blocker. He's pretty good in space. They can line him out wide as receiver. He's going to catch some balls, forty balls last year, and I think for his career, he he caught. Again, there's one of those things that we talked about with um, Keyshawn Vaughn, right? Mm -hmm. He went into this season understanding that he needed to catch the balls. You have to go into your final season under showcasing yourself and able to catch the ball to the backfield because you have to be a three-down back in this league, right? He had 40 catches last year. He had 32 in the three previous years combined. You know what I mean? So that, to me, is something that you really see an uptick in volume um, from him. So I think this is a no-brainer, no-brainer steal for me. Um, maybe the back half of three, knowing you're not going to get him in four if you're only in four round drafts. Um, but P Ryan, I, I, I don't see why he's going so low. And maybe as people continue to talk about him, he starts to go up the draft boards a little bit. But right now, if you're doing a rookie draft, if he can be had in that late third round, early fourth round, you're you're stealing a very good talent that has a lot of potential. He went at three twelve. Three twelve, exactly. Exactly in, in, the, in the trade addicts league, so you are correct. Exactly, so it's it's a steal. That's a steal for a guy that's going to be your second running back. I mean, or the second running back on the Jets. That's a steal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I would agree with you hundred percent. Right. I wish I wish I could have got him. I had the four oh three, so I was close, but I didn't get him. He went before that. Give us the receiver you're going to talk about, Captain. The receiver I'm going to talk about, and you, you know, I had to bring him up. You know, I did. You know I did. Yep. It's Courtney Davis out of Minnesota now. Um, I'm still a huge believer in his talent. I've been watching him um, amongst other, obviously, A&M receivers for many, many years now. Um, his numbers are not flashy, right? He does not have those numbers that you look at and you're like, oh, my God, like this guy's an absolute stud. He's one that you have to watch the film on. Um, and I've said this before. For years, I was a numbers guy, and I promise you, if I look at the numbers here, um, they are not awful, right? So 2018, 558 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. He did have three rush attempts for 14 yards. 
2019, he had 53 receptions, 612 receiving yards, and only four touchdowns with five rush attempts for 32. So you look at that as a blanket statement, right? And you're kind of just like, man, I I don't know. Like, it just doesn't, doesn't strike me, right? So go watch the film. You're going to see what he's capable of. You're going to see the footwork. You're going to see his hands. You're going to see, basically, he can create the separation. You're going to see a bunch of things that the numbers aren't going to tell you. And that's the biggest thing I've learned is numbers don't tell the whole story. But at the same time, film doesn't tell the whole story, right? The reason I say watch the film for him, and I, it's funny I keep doing this, right? Because all those Jordan Love truthers, well, watch this film, watch this film. To me, Kellen Mond did him no, no justice, right? I think Kellen Mond had a lot of things he needed to work on that did not help his receivers at all. Um, but that's a different conversation for another day. Um, but I, I think that's why Davis's numbers dipped a little bit, right? Um, it was just kind of – technically, his receiving yards went up, but rec uh, rec uh, receiving touchdowns went down. Anyway, back to the current situation. So he got signed as an um, undrafted um, free agent. So I think that's going to definitely make the road a little bit longer for him to 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 get some touches on the field. But I think his his – abilities are going to get him up there i think he's going to be able to showcase what he's done obviously stefan diggs is gone that's that's a lot of lot of targets a lot of receptions and a lot of yards vacant right and i went and looked at the depth chart it's it's pretty bare bones to be completely honest with you um at least on the receivers at receiving aspect of things i mean they've got adam thielen he missed some games last year. He's obviously going to take a bulk of those 93 targets that are going to be vacant from stefan diggs thielen only had 48 targets last year I'd be shocked if he's anywhere south of 115 targets this season. He's going to be a target hog. Um, we know that. The defenses know that, which is why I think some of these other guys can definitely you know, benefit um, from that as well. And I think Davis is going to be one of those guys. You look at Tajay Sharp. He had 35 targets last year, 25 receptions, 329 yards, four touchdowns. So nothing spectacular, nothing crazy. Um, got in, did the job, did what he needed to do kind of as that role player. Um, I don't know how to say this guy's first name. Oh, Olabisi? Johnson, thanks. Um, he had 45 targets, 31 receptions, 294 yards, three touchdowns. And then Chad Beebe, three targets, two receptions, 70 yards, no touchdowns. So it's one of those things where down past Thielen, to me, I think Sharp and Johnson, they, they kind of have that role there, right? They, they, they've they been in the offense. They understand that I think they have the advantage, obviously with the type of offseason that we're having. But really, Davis can come in make a name for him in camp, you know, assuming things progress as we hope, um, make a name for himself in camp, show what he can do in preseason games, start to make his way onto the field, right. And start making some plays. He's definitely going to be a special teams guy that I, I, I hope that they get him involved in that aspect. He definitely can do some punt returns. He didn't do it a whole lot at A&M um, because they had Anaya Smith, who was a guy that is, he was a freshman, um, very, very fast guy. So Davis wasn't expected to do it a whole lot, but he's capable of doing it. He can definitely do the special teams. I think they get him on the field in that way. But he's just he's such a versatile player that I think Minnesota, with the the loss of Diggs, and then just the, I would say, the lack of depth at receivers, and it's not to knock the talent that's there. It's just it's it's just a bunch of players filling the role is ultimately what it's coming down to. So um, I'm really hoping Davis gets that role. And he's definitely, he actually has not even been drafted at all right in, in the trade addicts league and we're almost to the fifth round um actually we might be in the fifth round now um now we're close to it but either way he hasn't been drafted yet and that's about what i would expect um in my home league 
uh, <clears throat> he actually went undrafted. And we have a seven round. We also have IDP players, so it, that's why it's a little bit longer, different aspect to it. But he actually went undrafted. So he's definitely someone that you can get in your very late round or even potentially take that chance, wait, go pick him up on waivers. Um, and, you know, again, stash him. I think he can make a name for himself this season because of the the receivers that are there. I, I think as long as he's given that opportunity, he comes in. And he's he's a hard worker. I mean, we've seen the films with the footwork king. He's out there working, seems like almost every day. Um, obviously, I, and I will say this, obviously I have a little bit of bias behind him, right? A&M. Um, but I do try and still keep an open mind to it, open to situations. And I just think it's there. I think the opportunity is there for him. I know what he he can do. I've seen it for years and years, even with poor quarterback play. And Kirk Cousins is a much better quarterback than Kellen Mond will ever be. So um, I'm excited, man. I, I I like Davis a lot, obviously. He's got the abilities. We just got to see it on the field, and we got to see him get that opportunity. But he's definitely a name to keep an eye on. Um, and that's the thing, though, with wide receivers. There's just so many out there. <laughs> The biggest piece is going to be what does the depth of your league look like? If it's a shallow roster, he's really not a guy to 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 take that chance on. To be completely honest with you, but if you have deep deep rosters, why not? Right, get him in you the final round, even if it's the final pick of the final round, whatever, or pick him up on free agents. He's a guy to stash. He's a guy to keep an eye on um, throughout the season and then you know years to come. I agree a hundred percent. I like I like the pick. You know what I'm saying? I like it a lot because I think that the difference is with Davis. Davis is going to be able to play the special teams like you mentioned, right? That's going to get him on the football field. And that to me is something that I really, really like about him is because he's got the speed in order to – that's how you see the football field, right? That's how mm -hmm. Percy Harvin saw the football field, right? Percy Harvin wasn't really a, a go-to receiver. I mean, he really never was in the future. But he got plays. He got the ball in his hands because he was able to be a capable returner. Now. The flip side of it, the guy that I'm going to talk to talk about is Brian Edwards. Look, I know this guy is going in the late second, right? Um, in our mock, in he went two two ten overall. Where did he go in your draft, Stoops? What who, what would you say, Brian Edwards? He went. Uh, well, keep talking, and I'll because I got to find him. Um, I gotta scroll through and so find him. But third I'll find round, seventeenth overall pick, eighty first overall. He was taken back to back picks with him and Lim Bowden. Um, I love this pick. Okay. Do you got a you got a number for me, Stoops? Two oh eight. Two oh. Okay. So let me start by saying this first. Okay. There's guys that went ahead of him in our mock: Ayuk, Dylan, Lavisca. I'm gonna even go on. I'm 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 gonna be a little bit bold here. I would draft him ahead of Rugs as well. Um, that's just me personally because I like this spot, right? Ruggs is a gadget guy. Ruggs is going to get the ball. Ruggs, they're going to let him see the ball, but they're not going to, he's not going to be a target hog the way Brian Edwards is 6'3, 215. Um, if you look back, it's, I saw this interesting stat on Twitter. Uh, third round receivers over the last few years, night 2019, we had McLaren. 2018, we had Chark and Godwin. 2016, we had Diggs. 2014, we had Landry. Um, uh, some really good fantasy output, you know, guys right now uh, in the league. The one thing that I love about Edwards, he's a four-year starter. You know what I mean? He played for four years. You talked him up a lot on this show um, several times. Um, so this is the big thing. The Raiders can cut Tyrell Williams after the season with absolutely zero dead money, and they will save 11 
million dollars. He's also underproduced last year. Then 42 catches, 651 yards, and six touchdowns in 14 games. Zay, Zay Jones's contract's up after this year. Zay, Zay Jones is not a very good receiver. Let's just go ahead and throw him out of the equation. Hunter Renfro is there. Hunter Renfro is coming off the injury. Even if he sees some of the targets, yes. Brian Edwards is not a today guy. I think Brian Edwards is the number one receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders next year. Hands down. I think Williams is gone. All right, so let's go through some of, some of the stats. Last year, 71 catches, 816 yards, six touchdowns. You love it, right? You know what I'm saying? The year before that, he averaged about four more yards per catch. It, that doesn't really play a factor into me. You don't know what happened with the offense. You're not exactly sure what was going on there, right? So 32 first down catches, five touchdowns of over 21 yards, okay? Brian Edwards, for some reason, has this stigma around him that he's not a fast guy. He's not a guy that can burn you. And no, he's not as fast as some of the other guys in this draft. And he's not even going to be the fastest guy on his team, probably the fourth or fifth. You got rugs there. You got some of these other guys. But five cuts, five touchdowns over 21 yards, that alone to me shows playmaking ability. 27% of his uh, catches last year went for 14 or more yards. Mm -hmm. um, you like that as well. Um the Raiders threw the ball 523 times in 2019. I'm not crazy to think that that number goes up even higher. The Broncos, they upgraded the weapons on their offense, right? The Chiefs, well, we know they're the Chiefs. The Chargers are making moves as well. They're, I think the Chargers might not be as good this year. It depends on what's going on with Herbert, Tyrod Taylor, et cetera, et cetera. But they still have weapons. This offense is, and of course, the ever-evolving you know, uh, league that we're in where you're throwing the ball, you know, 40, 50 yeah. times a game right now. You know what I'm saying? It, it's a it's a different game, as you mentioned earlier. But the fact of the matter is this. This is a guy that I think is going to produce. Last year, he every single game that he played in, he had five or more catches. He had one game, obviously, against Vanderbilt. 14 catches, 139, and a touchdown. But he had over 50 yards in every single one of those games that I just mentioned, except for two. So you only had one game where he had one catch for seven yards, which is an anomaly. It's crazy weird. Okay. And then you had another game where he had six catches for 37 yards. But look at the rest of the games. Nine for 90, 14, 139, eight for 83, seven for 78. You know, those are, that's double digit fantasy points. And yes, we're talking about college, but that's going to transition. Okay. We're talking next level NFL pros. This guy is going to be good. Even if you go back a season to his uh, 2018 season, he had a really solid year that year as well. This guy's got talent. This guy is going to be a very good NFL guy. And I'm telling you, like I said, IU, Dylan, LaVisca, even Ruggs, there's a lot of talent that is going ahead of him that I don't think is going to produce. We talked about our – we like LaVisca, right? The landing spot is nice. But the quarterback situation is sketchy. So it, it, it's sketchy a little bit in in Las Vegas. I like Carr more than most. If, if Carr doesn't run this year, he's, he's probably gone, right? The Raiders are going to go draft them a quarterback. But, again, Brian Edwards is going to be that guy where they draft that quarterback. He's going to throw to this. He's going to throw to Edwards. Tyro Williams is gone after this year. He's been – Unless he goes out there and breaks out and has a phenomenal season, it's still $11 million in cap money that they can free up by getting rid of him. I like what I saw out of Brian Edwards. The tape is nice. Again, four-year starter, 20, 234 catches, 3,045 yards. He averaged 13 yards a catch, 22 touchdowns. You can't help but like it, right? He even seven seven uh, seven punt returns last year as well. You know what I mean? So he, he sees the field. He's going to see the field. This might not be a year one. 
Like we talked about, these aren't guys that might not produce year one. But at the same time, Tyrell Williams, again, like I talked about, 14 games, he struggled to see the field. I think I was looking at Tyrell Williams' stats last from last year. He had a couple games where he had like two and three catches in the game. He wasn't even producing at all. That's a, that's a lot of money on your football field not to produce. So for me, I think if you look at the pecking order here, Brian Edwards walks into this team maybe behind Williams. I think he's ahead of rugs as far as targets are going to be, especially in the red zone as well. 6'3", big target compared to rugs, who's not as big. Okay, Hunter Renfro, I, he's recovering from the injury. Yeah, he's got the rap report there. I understand that. But there's Zay Jones, Limbo. Limbo is going to be a gadget guy. I think Edwards can come in and maybe have 30 or 40 catches year one very easily. You know what I'm saying? And if he does that, you're getting a producer in, in the bottom half of round two. I like, the, I like Edwards. He's a little bit higher. He's not exactly a sleeper pro to say, but I think that he's not getting near enough credit as I think he should be in the drafts right now. I think a lot of it just comes down to how the season ended for him, where he basically, he missed the games with injury. So he's kind of uh, out of people's minds, I guess. Right. You know, cause that's how it is. So for example, and I'm, I'm not trying to jump to the Debbie aspect, but it's like when Justin Ross broke out, everyone was talking about him. No one was talking about T Higgins because Ross is the one that came out and broke out and everything. So it's one of those things where it's Edwards, you know, with the injuries at the end of the season, he just wasn't there. He wasn't visible. So people moved on and started talking about someone else. Yep. I think that's, that's a big reason to it, but Edwards is a stud. I, I think he's, I'm, I'm on board with you. I think he's going to be um, not this year. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, but I think he's going to be that the focal point of that receiving um, receiver core there at some point. I love Edwards. Love him. And the thing about it is, is like, you know, it's not this year. Look, right. You know what I mean? We're, we're not saying this year, but at the same time, I mean, Tyrell Williams to me is not a guy that's consistent. He's not a guy that's always, you know, he's always been there. You know what I mean? He, he, he's, 12 games started last year, 10 the year before. He did 15, 12. He did start some season. But at the same time, this guy is not his, – his stats have gone down every year. 1,000 in 2016, 728 in 2017, 20, uh, 2018, 653. Uh, again, his stats are going – his stats are trickling down. He's, he's getting uh, the little wear and tear on his body. Yeah, he's still a little bit young. But I'm just saying, Brian Edwards is going to be that guy moving forward, like I said. Uh, and like I said, there's guys going ahead of him that doesn't make any sense to me, and, and it doesn't – you know, kind of resonate with me. So I would definitely take Brian Edwards in that high second round. That's just my opinion. I wouldn't hate that. You're not going to get him in the third round. You no. know what I'm saying? We talk about that here. If you want a guy, you've got to get him in your rookie draft. You know, we don't have the snake order. You do, it, It's you're picking here and that's what you're picking every single round. So get Brian Edwards if you can in that second round and be happy with the stats that he's producing. Okay. All right, folks, do us a favor. Head on over to expandtheboxscore.com to check out all the uh, tools that Stoops and I use on a week-to-week -week basis. Head on over to Twitter. Give them a follow at XCBboxscore. Give Stoops a follow at Stoops1990. Give myself a follow at RickyVlair underscore. Give the show a follow at the Debbie Delight. And thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys later. See you all later. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.